This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The following program is brought to you in living color. Hi, and welcome to another edition of This Week in TV History. I'm Tony Figueroa, the child of television. The graphic will be right there. So, oh, oh. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this my beautiful wife, Donna Allen Figueroa, and I, and I want to talk about the uh, Dick Van Dyke show and the anniversary. It's 60 years. Uh, but quickly, I just want to say that you can hear both of us on TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television. Uh, we have done some really cool interviews recently, some retrospectives, and a look at TV history. Our, our good friend Ed Robertson hosts that show, and uh, there's a lot of cool things on the horizon, so definitely tune in to that. You can read my blog, childhoodtelevision.blogspot.com, and let's jump into Dick Van Dyke. The best television situation comedy of all oh. time. Okay, that's you, my opinion. You stand by that. I've I always, do. Yes, we've always had this debate. When we were dating, we were having this debate uh, because I was very enamored with I Love Lucy and what Desiree, which is, which celebrating, is brilliant. celebrating 70 I years. I don't even want to hear that. <laughs> I do not uh, want to hear that. 70 years, very, very soon. Uh, so, I mean, we look at that, but... As I've matured and uh, have the ability to look at things chronologically, I like to think of I Love Lucy is the show that kind of was the invention of the wheel uh, yes. for sitcoms. Uh, I mean, and I want to be fair to a lot of the stuff that Jackie Gleason did with the mm -hmm. Honeymooners. Yes. But that was done in New York. Uh, a lot of that was broadcast live and preserved using kinescopes, so a, a, a movie camera in front of a TV monitor. And it really shows when you see yeah. it. Yeah. And in fact, most kinescopes have deteriorated. They They're, don't exist anymore. Unless somebody did some effort to preserve. Yes. People were not thinking longevity, unfortunately. Nope. I mean, what's uh, a rerun? Well, yeah. Well, I think Desi Arnaz Desi. Was, was very groundbreaking in that. And uh, But uh, anything Gleason did, or it was, it was a single camera. And the one direction was follow Gleason. So a lot of those, and the early Burns and Allen stuff was very much shot uh, similar. Uh, they were shot almost like uh, a stage play. Hey, the three-camera method, which and was developed by Desi, Desi Arnaz. And the, the man's name escapes me, but the cinematographer from MGM. Uh, uh, Carl Freund. Thank you. Yes. Uh, helped develop the three-camera method. So master the full shot and then two cameras for close-ups still mm -hmm. used for situation comedies today even though there can be anywhere <laughs> from i don't i don't know six to eight cameras and they could do a lot more work as it said they didn't need to have the film process yes film As film and wow. uh keep in mind there is uh my best friend's dad was an editor i had seen what they work on with editing where you have a film strip coming in and then a sound strip. So it looks like audio tape attached to uh, a film strip. So you have the sprocket holes and they come in simultaneously. And when you edit, you cut both. 
but that's what they use for editing film. They had to develop Desilu. Uh, they had to develop a method of uh, well, a, a new machine that uh, uh, Desilu had created. It's called a Desilu something, something something. And you had three strips of film and the sound. Ah. So you had the film from all three cameras and the sound, and then you could cut that way. So okay. you always had a good shot. Uh, if you lived in New York and you saw a show broadcast, you saw the best possible broadcast quality. If you lived in the Midwest or mm -hmm. on the West Coast, you saw the kinescope a week later. So, really? Yeah. I did not. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, and there were certain areas I believe you could you could have the, the coaxial. Coaxial. What we would call cable. Cable. Yes. <laughs> Remember when we still were wired. Uh, so you would have that cable going across the, the country. So you might be able to see it in Chicago later in Los Angeles. Angeles. But still, it was a very... So basic... Oh, and the other thing, Carl, uh, from the cinematographer, because they were working in this new method, he had painters on the set. Because sometimes they would design the set, paint it. They knew that they were shooting in black and white. So they were working with various shades of gray a lot of times. But sometimes if they couldn't get the lighting right, they just paint the set a different color, a different shade. That's cool. But you have to think of it, like you said, it was like filming a stage play. It's the marriage of theater and film. So and I know for I Love Lucy, Desi knew Lucy could do a show, but she needed a studio audience. She worked best in front of a studio audience. Mm -hmm. So that was the main reason why they had to come up with the three camera method so they could film this and have an audience which would be on bleachers above the stage. Yeah, and they were all smoking because the show was sponsored by Philip Morris. But Desi was good friends with Danny Thomas, and Danny Thomas was working on a sitcom, Make Room for Daddy. Daddy. Yep, and uh, at first, uh, you know, he didn't understand what Desi was talking about with his new mm -hmm. idea for a television show, and, and Desi was telling Danny, you need, to, this is what you need to do. And he went, go shut up and play your drums. That was, <laughs> uh, and then a year later, it's like, Desi, how do I do this? Uh, and also a little, uh, there was going to be an actress playing Danny Thomas's daughter who was very cute, but had a tiny nose. Let me guess. Her name was Marlon? Uh, no, Mary Tyler Moore. Ah! Who was, I think at that point, her biggest claim to fame was being Happy Hot Point in the commercials. The, the little mouse, the, the, yeah. the dancer. She's a yeah. dancer. And, uh, yeah, oh. she did. She, she was like happy. I think that was the commercial breaks for uh, Ozzy and Harriet. But anyway, Danny Thomas and Sheldon Leonard were the architects of the Dick Van Dyke show. So I think once they mastered the wheel that Desi created, let's okay, put it that way. This is what I've always thought. I Love Lucy was groundbreaking, blew a lot of things out of the water. You were watching television in a new way. It looked better. There were a lot of brilliant shows, but then the show was reinvented again mm -hmm. in 1961 with the Dick Van Dyke show. It was like TV had come into the modern age yeah. with Dick Van Dyke as we Rob Petrie, television writer, his progressive wife, uh, Laura Petrie, played by oh, the brilliant Mary Tyler Moore. Mm -hmm. It was the true, a true sitcom. You follow the main character at home. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It was the perfect marriage of both. Now, this started originally as a pilot that was going to be a vehicle for Carl Reiner, 
Yes. Where he would play Rob, head of the family. Head of the family. A different supporting cast, but he would play Rob Petrie. And it was inspired by his time being on the writing team for Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows. And that pilot was actually shot in New York City, yes? That was shot in New York yes. City. I think the exterior probably was New Rochelle, <laughs> where Carl Reiner lived with his family when uh, with his wife Estelle and his son Rob. You may have heard of him. Meathead. Uh, Meathead, yeah. So basically, Meathead is the inspiration for Richie. Right? Makes sense. Makes sense. And and the, the whole bit of when Rob comes home and Richie said, what'd you bring me? That was Rob Reiner. Um, right, but he did it. He did a version of the show. And it did not sell. Because Carl Reiner was too ethnic as the head of the family, too Jewish. But so the idea was pushed aside, but Sheldon Leonard came to him and said, you're going to do the show, but we're going to find somebody else to play you. And Dick Van Dyke had been starring on Broadway in Bye Bye Birdie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I picture, I'm, I'm now picturing him doing the, you know, put on a happy face. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and people like Rosemary had no idea who this guy was. She was the first person hired after Dick Van Dyke, yes? Yes. And she was the one who brought in Maury Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a good friend of hers. And uh, they were looking for the writing staff. They hired Rosemary. Did they ask her if she knew anyone? I believe she did. She she was asked who would be good for this role. Rosemary is based on Selma Diamond, who was mm. the female writer on your show of shows. And I would always hear that uh, Buddy Sorrell was based on Mel Brooks. Huh. Because Buddy Sorrell is the human joke machine. Ah, okay. You know, you Makes could sense. go to Buddy and you would say, uh, I need a joke about carrots. And he would have one. So I guess Mel were, Brooks was very much like that. There was a story that Rosemary used to tell that she called Warwick Amsterdam. Uh, look, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. What's a Dick Van Dyke? I don't know, but we're doing it. <laughs> and they were so perfect together. Oh, they were. You would have thought that those two were a couple. I mean, yes. they would have. And if there was ever a, a possibility of a spinoff, it would be the Buddy and Sally show. And now the hard part to cast was Laura Petrie. Mm -hmm. Just no one was perfect. And from what I hear, Mary Tyler Moore was getting ready to leave the business. And she went to this audition, I think begrudgingly. And she got a couple of lines out of her mouth. And was it Carl Ryder? I think it was uh, Sheldon Leonard. Oh, actually. I think he Carl Ryder took her to Sheldon. Took her, put his hand on her head and walked her over. You. <laughs> but uh, I think Sheldon Leonard remembered her as the girl with three names. Yes. That was Sheldon. Yeah. But yeah, because... They had met her when they were doing Make Room for Daddy, and the idea was that this girl could not be Danny Thomas's daughter because he would never have a daughter with that nose, because she had a tiny nose. So, And Mary Tyler Moore was the true breakout star of the Dick Van Dyke show. The, it was like the main female was going to be Sally Rogers, but America just fell in love with Mary Tyler Moore. She brought something different to the show. 
I and I'm not just talking about the pants. Oh, the Capri pants. The Capri, the Capri, Capri pants, pants, which was an issue. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, think yoga pants. Circa 1960. Um, no, she and Laura and Rob had a marriage that I think was on equal footing. They in, were equal partners in their marriage. Decisions about their son, decisions mm -hmm. about their life, uh, the bills. He didn't rule the house. No, he did not. He did not. Which I think was also groundbreaking. Remember, they were also, they were the Kennedys. They were mm -hmm. JFK and Jackie. The, the hair was Jackie. The hair was definitely Jackie. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So they were, the, this couple, new couple on TV, young couple, attractive, and they were. Energetic. Camelot. They represented yes. Camelot. Yeah. So, and now that you brought JFK. They actually, um, there was a there was a Kennedy reference in an episode that had to get cut, that was shot, and then they had to go back because they they were um, they were actually doing an episode. It was the birthday party one when, actually, when that, the news came. That was the one they were doing when the news of JFK's assassination happened, and it's the one that I have heard that um, those involved with the show was their least favorite episode because. They just wanted to get it over with. Richie is having a birthday party with too many kids. They had many, many kids on the set, and it was just, uh, you yeah. know, the mood is supposed to be light and happy and funny. Dick Van Dyke uh, is a clown in the episode, uh, and it's just. I think it was done without a live audience. Yes, they could not and have a live audience. I believe the reference was going to be on a different episode that yeah. had shot the oh. The turtle. The hand-painted turtle. Yes. And they the, he painted Rob and Laura. And and Richie. And then the reference was, oh, we look like the Kennedys. Yes. And they had to, they had to go back line. Yeah. and change it. I don't even remember what they changed it to. It was something like, we're, we're immortal or we're famous. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because turtles live 100 years. Uh but yeah, so that, I mean, they, they did have that look. They did capture Camelot. So I think that was new and exciting for that era. Uh, I do like the fact that they didn't want to have a lot of topical references and they wanted to keep the wardrobe classic. Mm -hmm. There are very few things I will watch the show and say, okay, that's definitely a 1960s cocktail dress. Mm -hmm. But for most of the time, I, I, could, I, I could see myself wearing that today. I can see like rotary phones, things like that, phone books. <laughs> the technology of the time. Yes, but but for the most part, at least um, topical references are not there. For they're the not most there, part. and the clothing was pretty classic for the most part. For the most part, and we're going to pause right here, but we'll have more TV history right after this message. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous.